Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler and Dr. Kathy Greenberg will not be with us today. She's out on a cruise ship uh, in Alaska giving a talk about uh, positive psychology. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And today's show features David Allen. David Allen is widely recognized as the world's leading expert on personal and organizational productivity. He has uh, 25-year pioneering research and, and coaching corporate managers and CEOs of some of the America's most prestigious corporations and institutions, and it has earned him Forbes recognition as one of the top five executive coaches in the world and Business 2.0 Magazine's inclusion in their list of 50 who matter now. Fast Company Magazine has also called David one of the world's most influential thinkers in the arena of personal productivity for his outstanding programs and writing on time and stress management and the power of aligned focus and vision and his groundbreaking methodologies in management and executive peak performance. We're going to bring David on a little bit, and he's going to talk about um, getting things done, which is some of the seminars and also the title of his book. He is a consultant, educator, and a popular keynote speaker for such diverse clients as Citigroup, General Mills, Stanford University, New York Life, Microsoft. David Allen he continues to enjoy delivering is sold out getting things done seminars to the ever-expanding public audience in cities throughout the United States, Asia, Europe, and South America. So Kathy and I, in this leadership development news, we want to bring you the best in current leadership topics. So we interview proven leaders, and our real focus is on evidence-based best practices like we'll hear from David to help you develop more leaders in your organization. We know that leaders are the heartbeat of the organization. Also, most leaders underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus their teams and themselves often underperform. Doing just a few things differently can drastically improve your performance and your organizations. And on these shows, we'll talk about uh, what happy companies know, emotional intelligence, brain and neuroscience contributions, generation and gender differences, work-life balance, um, self-management tools, plus many more tips and tools and tips. And, David, you want to say hi before we bring you on? Sure, just delighted to be here, Relly. Oh, great, great. So we'll have a, a line of questions that we want to ask you. But before we bring you on, I just want to give some of the evidence-based, you know, why is it that we're talking about leadership and especially around uh, how leaders can be organized and more productive with some of your tips. Uh, we know that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. Emotions are contagious. And leaders are the emotional thermostat for their team. And the key to bringing someone uh, to be a top performer, as we define it, someone who's in the top 10% is typically emotional intelligence competencies. And the more the leader moves up in the ladder, up the corporate ladder, the more they need emotional intelligence. Why we're talking so much about leadership and leadership development news, we know that if you can get leaders in the top 
10%, they'll produce twice as much revenue to the organization as someone in the 89th percent and below. If you want more information about uh, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com. She has happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching services. And if you're more interested in uh, some of my work, my website is www.truenorthleadership.com for emotional intelligence books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. So let me go through a little bit more of the, the bio for David Allen, then we'll bring him on. We mentioned that uh, he's an international best-selling author for Getting Things Done. The subtitle, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity and Ready for Anything, 52 Productivity Principles for Work and Life. He's also the engineer of GTD, which is Getting Things Done, popular Getting Things Done methodology, that has shown millions how to transform a fast-paced, overwhelming, overcommitted life into one that's balanced, integrated, relaxed, and has more successful outcomes. I mentioned to David before the call, I have a client right now who just raves about uh, getting things done. I guess she went to the, one of your workshops and now is trying to bring that to her team. David is the founder and president of the David Allen Company, whose inspirational seminars, coaching, and educational materials and practical products present individuals and organizations with a new model for winning the game of work and the business of life. He continues to write articles and essays that address today's ever-changing issues about living and working in a fast-paced world and attaining a work-life balance. So, David, thank you very much for being on the show. Sure, my pleasure. And we have a you know a series of questions to try to pick your brain about how to be more organized and more productivity. But so typically, what we like to do is start off knowing a little bit about yourself and and how is it that you came to work in this field that you're in today. Well, I've always been fascinated by uh, what kind of things could affect human behavior and affect results. I and you know I wasn't quite. I didn't perhaps say that as intelligently when I was in my younger years, or didn't know that that's exactly what it was. But I've always been. I guess probably because I'm just one of the laziest people in the world, but I actually like to sort of increase results and, and, and produce things. So I was always looking for tips and tricks about things that do that. So I, I, that took a lot of different forms for me, uh, a, lot of, a lot of exploration in the self-development world, high-performance behaviors. I got involved in the martial arts, sort of learning uh, you know, a lot about uh, just sort of physical effectiveness in that way as well as sort of psychological aspects of it. And then I got into, uh, into the management consulting game. Uh, uh-huh. basically trying to understand organizations and people within organizations and what were some of the things that they could do that could also increase performance. So that's a very long, that's a very short version of yeah, a very yeah. long story. Now, how long, how long have you been doing uh, productivity work? Well, in the form that's sort of yeah. similar to, to what I've been doing now, I guess the original, uh, some of the origins of that come, go back to the early 80s. Okay. Um, when I was helping a couple of big corporations help work with them to design some work around productivity mm-hmm. improvement for their managers and executives. Okay. Um, so knowing about some of your terrific work, like I said, I have your book, Getting Things Done. Um, you know, so my clients rave about it. Uh, tell us more who's influenced you as a leader. You, may, you, you mentioned one, martial arts, but maybe there's you know, how that fits in and anything else, you know, who's influenced you as a leader. Yeah, it's a good question, and I, I have to say, there's not no there's no one person who really stands out. Mm-hmm. There, 
you know, as you know, leaders are really defined by the by the team they're leading and the, what they're trying to accomplish. And I've been involved in so many things. You know, I guess one of the reasons I became a management consultant was I I'd had thirty five professions by the time I was thirty five. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, so uh-huh. I finally picked a profession that I didn't have to choose. <laughs> I could I could just kind of show up and and uh, you know keep working on process, which has always been my thing. I mean, I, I uh, doesn't mean there a lot of people have influenced me. Uh-huh. I, my, my one of my scout masters when I was a Boy Scout back in Louisiana was, you know, one of the one of the people I I still remember and admire simply, you know, because of his dedication and his emotional intelligence uh-huh. and his ability to lead, you know, kids and okay and, and so forth. So uh, I, I sorry, I don't have a specific okay. answer for okay. you there. Nobody nobody really stands out. I've been yeah. somewhat of a lone maverick in terms of my own professional world. Oh, uh, you know, with some small consulting boutique kind of partnerships, you know, on and off over the years. But uh, for the most part, I've been kind of out there on the on the edge myself trying to explore and figure right, out right. what I'd learned. And then tell me a little bit about the, the martial arts, because I think, uh, uh, you know, I'm a past athlete, and I know how that's um, contributed to my life and just perspective. But you were saying just was it around the mental piece or the discipline piece? Well, I got into it because I'd been fascinated by Zen and the sort of e- the whole Eastern philosophy mm-hmm. aspects of stuff since I was in high school. I was, had done a lot of that reading on a you know, philosophical basis and, and, and have resonated to that sort of style of, you know, simplicity and elegance that's, that's embedded in a lot of the aesthetic of, of Zen and Eastern philosophy. But then I, I just, I wound up uh, meeting someone, it turned out to be a very close friend of mine who, who was an expert in the martial arts, and he thought, uh, just for various reasons, he offered to, to teach me. And I, I got involved simply from the philosophical and the aesthetic side. I said, wow, you know, I'd heard about martial arts and I, and that somehow it, it had a relationship to the philosophical side of it, but uh-huh. I wasn't a highly physical person. You know, I'd sort of played tennis in high school, but so I wasn't right. you know, a total doofus, but, you know, I'd never really, really, really used that as a, as a focal point. So in my mid-twenties, I, I start, started to study with this guy and uh, got enthralled by it, and it was fascinating to, you know, though yeah. I got into it from the philosophical side, I found it extremely valuable and profound just in terms of how using the physical aspect right. of it uh, as a learning tool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can see just all I just know a little bit about that, the, the kind of the efficiency, efficiency, efficiency of motion and how do you use your energy, how do you use others' energy. I mean, I could see some of the tie-ins of some of your work today. Sure. Well, as you know, I mean, athletics has always been a great uh, testing and proving ground for behavioral things, especially things that have to do with focus because, you know, when you're up mm-hmm. at, the, at the edge, right. you're trying to break, you know, four boards and you the best you've ever been done is three and you're sitting there staring at those things, you know, learning how to, you know, manage and control your inner focus uh-huh. and, and maintain a positive self-talk strategy. I, I've always said, look, if you can make it around 18 holes of golf without any negative self-talk, I want you <laughs> on my team. You can beat anybody, you know, as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, that's, you know. that's the perfect metaphor for self-management is golf. Yeah. And, and can you really break four boards? I used to be. Oh. You know, I don't 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 stick them in front of me now. I, I might pretend <laughs> to think I could and then hurt my hand. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. Well, tell us. Uh, you know, probably another couple minutes. We're going to go to the first break. Uh, but what is GTD? Getting things done and how is it unique? And, and in other words, you know, why getting things done and and why now? Yeah. Well. A lot of what I discovered was how to get rid of drag on the system. How do you get rid of the stuff that gets in the way of us being there? Because, you know, I can't help people be essentially more creative or have, uh, you know, the, uh, or the source of their spontaneous, intuitive, you know, judgments about things and where they're going, because I think that's where success really comes from, is, is 
you know, some inner intuitive aspect of, of what we're doing. And that's highly unique, I think, to each individual. But what I discovered was there's a lot that gets in the way of our ability to both tap uh-huh. that as well as to implement it. So I've just spent and continue to keep researching what is it that if I stop doing this or do this a little differently, right. it makes it easier for me to focus appropriately on that inner intuitive quality. And so GTD was just a compilation of those best practices about how you how you eliminate the things that are pulling back on your ability right. to be able to focus and be in control. Well, I like what you just said. You know, many times is what do you need to stop doing because we're in perpetual motion, and so kind of knowing, okay, well, that's something that's not leading to what I want. Yeah, well, you know, the fascinating thing uh, <clears throat> really is that the, the people that are attracted to my work and to, the, what, and to what GTD is about are actually already the most productive people. Mm. And, you know, it's not the, like, remedial life people that, yeah. are, that are call us, you know, to get coached or to, you know, have, us, have our seminars done in their companies. These are already the people who are, you, if you looked at them, you'd say they're the last people in the world you think would need this. Uh-huh. But when you think about it, it's like it's only the people who are actually moving fast and right. want to move faster or better who are aware of drag on the system. I mean, if you're not moving, getting rid of drag is a drag, as I say. So, uh-huh. you know, you, 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 actually, you actually need to essentially be already be in motion to be aware of the value of what I bring to the table. Yeah, right. Well, I think that's especially true as some of the person that, that I'm coaching is already very organized and already has some great systems. And I think because of that kind of that mindset, um, is just really attracted to kind of the, the edges of how to, how to be more productive productive, but also how to bring some of these things uh, to our team. Yeah. Well, that, you know, I, one of the things I also also say is, like, the way I got into this, I'm not one of those highly motivated, ambitious kind of people that you, you know, you, you probably see them, you've probably interviewed them, uh, you know, but I don't get up early. I don't spend <laughs> my time focused on the most strategic things for three hours before I get into anything else. I like to sleep. You know, I, frankly, I like to, I like to sort of hang out. So I came across these techniques as a way that I could, in a sense, essentially, be as lazy as I like to be, but still produce results. So, <laughs> you know, maybe that that can create an edge right. uh, and an edge of research uh, as well as anything else. Okay, we're going to go to our first break. We're talking with uh, David Allen, the author of Getting Things Done, and a self-professed uh, one of the lazy people in the world. But I, I know he's got some great techniques that he's going to pass on to us. So we'll be right back. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic plays to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066.
Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadilocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has a bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org, and from energyhog.org she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy, and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org, or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. This is Ed Hanway, CEO of Cigna Corporation. Join us in celebrating all babies, those born healthy, and those who need help to survive. Go to marchofdimes.com and tell your special baby's story. Read other stories, too. And while you're there, learn how you can help the March of Dimes fight premature birth and give babies a healthy start. What a wonderful way to celebrate babies. Marchofdimes.com Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. This is Dr. Relly Nadler. We're talking with... David Allen, the author of Getting Things Done. And David, um, what are some of the ways that people around the world are, are engaging in GTD? It does sound like that the buzz about GTD is spreading. So, um, Yeah, well, the, the Getting Things Done book is now in 30 languages, and uh, it keeps growing. It seems, uh, you know, I keep, their, their new languages and new countries keep showing up that <laughs> want, <laughs> want, to, you know, want the rights to do it, so... Uh, it does seem to be universal. Uh, I think anybody who has to keep track of more than one thing that they can finish at one point in time can use this. We haven't seen any cultural bias uh. to the to this. I mean, it, we've I've done this in Jeddah and, and Dharan, and I've done it in Singapore, and I've done it in Japan, and I've done it in in Bogota, I've done it in you know. So it doesn't really matter. Right, right. I mean, what matters is that that people just have a lot to do that they can't do when they think of it and they need to keep track of stuff because that's a lot of what GTD has to do with is uh-huh. helping you manage the inventory of what all your commitments are. So that's the universality of this, I think, is that people, anybody who's got more commitments than they can finish you know, in the moment right. uh, can use it. And uh, so when you do it overseas, and then typically is it in English or it depends? Sometimes there's an interpreter there that translates? It depends. It uh-huh. depends. You know, many, uh, many times, you know, English pretty much is the business language around the world, mm-hmm. uh, but... Oftentimes, they will, uh, I'll have translators. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, you had talked about this earlier, but maybe we'd elaborate. Have you always been organized and getting things done? You know, I, people often ask me that, and I think, you know, 
Not really. I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm a naturally organized guy. But I, I'm, I'm, I actually like to, you know, get the results of being organized. It's kind of like writing. I like to have done it, <laughs> but right, doing right. it's a pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is something I've had to learn. So I don't, I'm not naturally, you know, kind of neat and tidy uh, in everything that I do. I just discovered, I, I think, early on that. Uh, there were certain levels of organization. I've always been interested in process. I guess I think right. that's that's okay. something that's probably you know just part of my DNA. Right. You know, I I thought everybody thought this way, but I discovered they don't. You know, I can't help it. I wake up thinking, how much easier can I get from here to there? Right, right. So, <clears throat> you know, simply because uh, you know, so I only get as organized as I need to be. Let's okay. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, there's a lot of folks who who've kind of written about that, and I noticed. Uh, in your book, and what I, what I appreciate in your book, you talk a lot about things that you use and things that uh, have helped you, uh, you know, with your tickler list and other things that we'll get more more specifically into. Um, but has it been from just being in the business world that's motivated you about writing, teaching, and coaching in this field? Just well, as, I think I've, you know, I come, my at least from the mo- my mother's side of the family, I come from a long line of, you know, Spinster aunt, and my mom was a teacher, and so you know, teaching is, I think, sort of always been in my blood. And I, you know, I, frankly, I like sharing right. you know, cool stuff that really helps people. So uh, you know, the, I, I guess that's one of my core values. Is just I, I seem to, if I find something that I think works, I, I, I want to share it with folks. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so tell me, and we'll get now a little more into the content of, of some of this. You know, why why today is getting things done so? so challenging for people, especially in the business world? Well, you know, getting things done addresses the whole idea of commitment and being able to manage that inventory in some objective way. And, you know, it, it, it's really not so much about restructuring or organizing information because information, there's information all over the place and always has been. Uh, what's different, I think, is that, you know, the what I call the, it's not information overload, it's potential meaning overload. That is, you know, nature is pretty obvious. It's, it's full of all kinds of information that doesn't stress you out. As a matter of fact, it relaxes you. But emails, you don't know what's sitting inside of there. You don't know what it means, and it might mean something. As I say, you know, it mm. could be a, a berry or a bear or a bug uh, inside each one of those emails. So if you don't train yourself how to make those decisions in terms of deciding what things mean that you've allowed come into your huh. world but still think they still mean something to you, right. that's where this stuff can back up on you and create huge amounts of stress. So that's what's really increasing. What helps that or what, what, uh, what expands that or promotes that even more is how fast things are changing. Uh-huh. So nothing's new except how frequently everything is new. Right, you, know, right. you and I have gotten more input in the last 48 hours that will potentially create new projects and shift our priorities, at least tactically, than our parents got in a month and some of them in a year. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that the change, you know, change always produces the necessity to kind of regroup and refocus and reorganize. Uh, it's just that that change is happening. The input is happening so fast that makes those changes required. So learning how to do that quickly and elegantly and not let stuff hang around, right. you know, is, is part of just, the, I think, the why this stuff seems why GTD hit a nerve and why, you know, okay. it's not going away in terms of our needs to learn learn how to do that better. Well, I also think, you know, you heard from the intro just about you know, the idea of emotional intelligence, and one of the aspects is the self-management, which deals with con- with uh, conscientiousness, initiative, achievement, orientation, a lot of things that fold right into the practical side uh, that you're doing. But I also hear what you're saying in your book 
about some of the fear and apprehension people have about whether it's in the email, what's the, what, what don't I know, what's in that my stack or pile that I don't know. Yeah. How, and how does that, how do you find that fear and apprehension well, there, there, there's two aspects of self-management from my experience. And, uh, you know, over all the years, I, I, I really, I, I think it's all sifted down and concentrated in two particular dynamics. One is control and the other is perspective. If you feel like you have enough control, then, you know, you're cool. Uh, and if I feel like I'm focused on what I need to focus on at the appropriate way and the appropriate time and the appropriate horizon, I'm cool. So if I've got, if I'm feeling in control and feel like I'm absolutely focused appropriately, there's probably no need for any more time management, stress management, personal prioritizing, or anything. You're there. You're on. Right. It's just when I happen to feel like I'm losing control, or I, I'm not as in control as I need to be, or I'm not sure I'm focused on what I need to be focused on, that's where utilizing techniques okay. of best practices will come into play. So what GTD did was discover what are the five phases of how you get control if you're feeling out of control, and what are the six horizons you need to focus on if you want to focus appropriately. And that's essentially the content of my new book, but it's really embedded all the way through the GTD method. Okay. And then maybe we'll get to some of those the five phases and what you said, the six uh, horizons? Horizons, yeah. All right, so maybe we'll in another couple of questions we'll kind of get to uh, that piece. So... The control and perspective, I like that, and it sounds like the control piece um, may be in, in where we're talking about the, the anxiety or some of the fear that they don't feel like they have control. There's something sure. hidden. There's, there's a landmine. Well, it, I think it's the greatest human fear is the fear of being out of control. Uh-huh. And, you know, people are killing themselves and each other as we speak just to sort of maintain or achieve a sense of psychological control. Right, right. So people, you know, try to get there in some weird and awkward ways, for sure, as you know. Uh, but it, that that is uh, you know a key driver. The strange thing about it is, is that is that trying to control a world that is uncontrollable, meaning trying right. to prevent change and prevent surprise and prevent interruption, yeah, like yeah. good luck. Right, right. <laughs> so learning how to somehow feel in control in in amidst uh, things that are unknown yep. becomes a lot of the elegance, probably of both your work and mine. Well, and I think that same thing I've said before. I mean, some of it I think I've realized in, in my past. If I was afraid of losing control, then I was out of control. But the more sense of being okay with being out of control in, a, in the paradox, there was more control I had or the sense of more sure. managing. Well, I think, um, you know, all the, all the work that was done in terms of, uh, of you know, people in having a heart attack and just realizing, you know, things are going to be okay and psychologically being able to, you know, reframe this stuff so that they felt like, wait a minute, there is hope. This, this can somebody is in control here yes. can instantly change the situation. So, for instance, you know, my desk and my life can get totally out of control. It does regularly. As a matter of fact, if it didn't, I think it'd be stale. But the fact is that I know because I know I can get back there and yeah. I know the path of how to do that. And that's not just helter-skelter. Right. There's a very specific set of things I know how to do that will get me back there. Then I don't have to be so worried about being out of control. So right. it's a strange kind of meta control. No, no, I know what you mean. If you if you know you can get there, right. then you give yourself a lot more freedom to kind of bounce off the wall and be spontaneous and go ahead and let the edges kind of get a little rough mm-hmm. from time to time because you know how to pull yourself back. I think one of we've had some different um, brain neuroscientists uh, on on the show, and I think some of what you're saying, you know, now that the brain is a black box, and that when you're emotional, it's it's this part of the brain that's the amygdala that's kind of activated. But I think some of your techniques bring in this prefrontal cortex, which all of a sudden changed the shift of the brain. It says, oh, uh, here's what I can do. And in a sense, there's an inverse relationship between, you know, if you're feeling emotionally out of control 
and then you get this cognitive control. So as one is emotional, uh, being out of control goes up, cognitive control goes down, but some of your techniques bring it the other way. The more control you have, cognitive control, the less fear, apprehension, all those emotions that are in the amygdala subside. So Exactly. And I think what a lot of... what. What I've done and, and what's embedded in GTD is, a, is an awareness of some of the subtleties that we all experience, but most yeah. people are not that conscious yeah. of, of, a, of, of this sort of vague sense of being out of control. In other words, when you make commitments and lose track of them, there's a part of you that, that's going, you know, I, there's probably stuff I should be doing. I, just, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I know it's uh-huh. out there, and it's probably not what I'm currently doing. Oh, damn. And right. that's that. You magnify that by about 50,000, and you yeah. realize the kind of stress people are walking around in. But to a large degree, it's very mechanical. It's very subtle, but it's mechanical about, wait a minute, you just didn't keep track of that yeah. thing yeah, yeah. and put it in the appropriate place. And so you're, there's this vague sense of feeling out of control, but you, you kind of don't know how to get a handle on it. Right, right. And, that, and I think as you're then out of control, your, your cognitive thinking goes down, so you just not whatever you are focused on, you're probably not as adept at it. Oh, sure. Well, you know, it's also true that, you know, I say if you have high, high, high perspective, you know, there's kind of a matrix there. If you say, well, control and perspective, if you have high perspective, high vision, right. highly creative person, but out of control, then you're what we call a crazy maker. You know, you're basically having all kinds of ideas and throwing them all over the place, but, you know, no, no concept of resources. Right, so right. oftentimes those people wind up micromanaging because they can feel themselves out of control, and then they come down and become highly controlling people because they're trying to now make it work. So especially leaders, those, those, are, those are some of the things they have to watch out for. Okay, great. Uh, we'll continue with David Allen, and now we're going to start getting more into some of, some of his tips from getting things done. This is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. Bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 adding fractions is nothing for real look These are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I gotta deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're 
listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. Uh, Dr. Kathy Greenberg is not with us today. She's on a cruise educating folks about uh, positive psychology. And we're talking with David Allen of Getting Things Done, the title of the book, but he also has a seminar series of, of that. And, David, one of the things we're talking about is uh, before the break about high perspective or about perspective and control and keeping track of things. So in your book you talk about the open loop and, um, and how do people, uh, how does our thinking get in the way and, and what is this open loop? Well, as soon as you make a commitment and you don't finish it right then, uh, you essentially opened this, uh, well, I call it an open loop, you could call it an incompletion, you could call it you know, any kind of an unfulfilled commitment. Uh, there's a part of us, it seems, psychologically, that does not lose track of that. We consciously can lose track of it very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, I, hey, really, I'm going to get back to you, whatever, and then two minutes later I'm, in the, I'm focused on the next thing. Right. I made the commitment. I forgot I made the commitment, but unfortunately, it didn't. Let, there's a part of me that didn't. It still remembers. It says, David, you just committed to something. But if I lose track of it consciously, it seems that where that goes in the psyche is what I call psychic RAM. You know, it's like RAM in a computer, mm. it's a short-term memory space that is very limited in its space, but it's trying to hang on to it. It has no sense of past or future. That's the problem. So I say, hey, really, I'm going to get back to you. I lose track of it consciously. There's a part of me that thinks I should be getting back to you 24 hours a day. Mm. It's, it's constantly running in there. My core processor, if you will, is sitting there spinning and burning up, trying to keep track of this commitment. But mm-hmm. I consciously lost track of it, so I don't have a chance to, to unhook the energy from it. So we talk a lot about being able to renegotiate your commitments with yourself. That's why making a list makes people feel better. Well, come on, everybody listening to this at some point has sat down and you know, felt a little overwhelmed and out of control, and you made a list and you felt better. Mm-hmm. I just figured out why that works. See, if you actually figured out why that works, you'd never keep anything in your head the rest of your life. <laughs> so, no, isn't that true? Come on. Yeah. Like, a good scientist would say, look, every single time I unload stuff out of my head I'm committed to do, right. I feel better, it's easier to focus. I go, well, you know, if, if that happens 643,000 times with no exception, any good scientist is going to say there is a principle at work here <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. that you can probably pretty much bet on. Right, right. So that's all I did, and that's a lot of what, the GTD process is about is just understanding what happened when we make commitments, what happens to us if you lose track of it. Right. So right. There's, there's more to that game than that, but that's, that's kind of step one. If you, don't, if you don't buy into that working hypothesis, you know, don't even bother. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it makes a lot, of, a lot of sense because there's only so much energy of what to focus on. And I think even some of the brain neuroscience says, you know, the mind can only focus on one thing at a time. And, sure. and, and if you got in the back of there thinking about everything you're not doing, it's it's hard to focus on what you are doing. Sure. So well, the other thing you, you talk about is is smart people end up procrastinating the most. Maybe you can say a little bit about that. Well, it's the smart, sensitive, creative folks who can, in half a second, generate 800 horror movies in their mind about everything that has to be done to finish their taxes, to buy a company, to hire a person, to restructure, you know, whatever. It's kind of like as soon as you look at something, there's a part of our mind that goes, well, yeah, but how do I get from here to there, and and what are all the factors Mm. involved? And it's very easy for smart, sensitive people to freak themselves out faster than anybody else. So, you know, it's the the fear-based images right. in our mind that keep us from engaging. 
So that so that's interesting. So what you're saying is all the they quickly assess the situation and, and in a sense have a huge view of the perspective of all the things that can work, the, the things that they need to do, the things that can go wrong, and, and quickly overwhelm themselves. Right. Very easy to overwhelm yourself with all that process. The, the, the only reason you would procrastinate is because either whatever you're doing just isn't motivating enough, there's not enough interest just to do the thing to begin with, it's sort of apathetic, or you don't feel confident you can engage with that sense of control. So what gives you a sense of control is to be able to get it down to a very specific next action. But if you haven't figured out what's the very next step on handling dad's elder care situation or what's the very next action I need to take to right. you know, research this opportunity that just walked through the door, if you haven't figured that out, there's a part of you that says there's a whole void between here and getting it done. And you, you need to cl- close up that go- void and, and close that gap. And you, you have to do that by the rigorous ability to sit down and get it down to a very next action step. Otherwise, it's very easy to freak yourself out about things uh-huh. and get avoid getting moving. Huh. Well, so I like the uh, you know through the book what you're saying now. It's just the idea that the, this next action and how do you get somebody you know to move move forward? Just thinking about so my background in the back uh, you know as a psychologist, I'm in just crisis training. You know, if someone is suicidal, you know, most emotional, they don't see any any uh, other pathway. And so almost that next action from someone who does this crisis counseling, that's what they try to get them. One thing to focus on, call so-and-so, sure. do this, do that. And it is interesting, going back to what you said before, it probably does change the function in the brain and, and decreases the overwhelm. Sure. Well, you, you imagine yourself engaged successfully. See, we love to engage. We actually, you actually get squirrely if you don't feel like you can, there's anything to do. So right. you actually, those are your better days when you're actually feel like you're moving yes. toward things and making constructive progress toward things that, that means something to uh-huh. you. So you actually get more energy and are less tired when that happens. But a lot of that has to do, you're right, with being able to being able to exert the rigor and discipline of holding your focus down to the very next step. The next See, step. I, I always say there's, if you want to get things done, there are two things you have to get clear. What does done mean and what does doing look like and where does it happen? Mm-hmm. So outcome and action become zeros and ones of the GTD methodology. What are you okay. trying to accomplish? How do you allocate resources right now to make that happen? But that's, that, that does not show up by itself. <laughs> you actually have to think uh, right. and make that decision. So it's the decision-making process so operationally that GTD really is, is sort of in, encouraging and inspiring everybody to uh-huh. make a lot more tactical and more 24-7. Well, so in a way, you're, you really are teaching folks to think entirely differently with your system and, and then the sense of accomplishment uh, when they get things done. You know, one of my my dad's favorite statements was, "You want to get something. You want to get something done. Give it to a busy person." Yeah, and yeah, in a way that's true. And I think we all know that 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 sense that that you know, I, in the martial arts, you, know, you never stand still. If you stand still, it takes a lot more energy just to get moving right. in the right direction as opposed to change direction. So, as you're in motion, it makes it a lot easier to make that. To make those choices sure, sure. And, and to and to keep yourself focused on it, but again, we we don't seem to be born doing that. I mean, we didn't hop out of the womb going, "Hi, what are we trying to accomplish? What's the next step?" And who's <laughs> doing it? You right. actually learn. You have to train yourself to do that. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, that's not a new form of thinking. Actually, the, everybody's going to decide what to do about their dad and elder care. <clears throat> it's just when and why. Yeah, yeah. When the thing is first on their radar and yanking their chain psychologically, or when the heat in the situation and the crisis forces them to. Uh-huh. 
See, teams and leaders move into high performance in a crisis because it forces people to focus right. and takes away the decision-making ambiguity. So in a strange way, people are more relaxed in a crisis than they are when it's not there. Mm-hmm. Well, so it does, you're right, it does give them the impetus. And, and in some environments, they create crisis, and it may be because they feel like they're being more productive. Where... Sure. I heard Bill Ouchie, William Ouchie, who wrote one of the first, you know, Theory Z, you know, way back, one of the first sort of new management kind of books. Right. Probably before you were born, really. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I heard him say in an interview, he said, every good manager he ever knew knew how to manufacture crisis. Ah, okay. For exactly that reason. You know, it gets people focused. It, it galvanizes people towards some sort of an outcome. It creates a nice challenge that people can stretch into. So it all, all those great things that, that you know, are, are aspects of good right. leadership you know, show up automatically, essentially, in a crisis. That's right. why leaders tend to emerge in crisis situations. Uh-huh. Uh, but, again, you know, as you know, you can learn to do these effective uh, behaviors without having a crisis force, force you to. That's really what high performance is all about. Right, right. And a lot of times uh, people want maybe urgency, the sense of urgency, but without having to have the crisis that goes with it. Sure. Well, it, it may be a sense of, uh, of, of involvement and engagement. Yeah. You know, is really, I think, the key. So, and, you know, to me, it, it was just learning that, whoa, wait, clear space is such a nice place to be. And I learned that certainly in the martial arts, but in spiritual practices and other kinds of things. Uh-huh. Like, look, if you're being distracted in your head, it's hard to focus on the more subtle things and the cooler things you want to focus on. Right. So you know, that's a lot of how I think I came to you know, uncovering a lot of these techniques was simply to get back to clear space. Once you get used to this, though, watch out, because there's a part of you that will feel real uncomfortable when you have these open loops until you sit down and, uh, and approach them and appropriately. But it, I think that's good news. Well, good. So let's let's talk about a few, some of the specifics because I think our listeners probably they're enticed enough that they want to get some of the tips. So in your book, you talk about the five stages of mastering workflow. Yeah. Do you do you want to go through that? Yeah. Essentially, it you know when everybody says, "Look, we need to get organized and we need to get focused," which is what you'll tell your a project team. It's what a company will tell itself. It's in any situation. Those are the two admonitions, and that's why you know I've fleshed them out in terms of control and perspective. But you don't just get organized. Organized is actually stage three of the five stages mm. of how you manage this stuff inappropriately. Because uh, if you are appropriately managing input when it's coming to you, first of all, you have to collect that input and capture it to make sure that it's in front of you. Secondly, the second stage is to clarify exactly what that means. So I, you know, I can't lose the email, but I also then need to open and read the email and decide what does that mean? Is that a reference? Is that something to act on? Is that something to do or not? What does it mean to me? That's stage two. Stage three is once I've determined what it means, then I organize it. Okay, this is reference, therefore stage three. This goes over where reference material goes. Mm. Stage four is to look at all of that inventory once I've captured it and clarified it and organized it. I then need to be able to have it in some reviewable mode so that on some regular recursion of reflection, I can look at all the stuff. I mean, it simply said, look, I get to a phone, I've got time, let me see a list of all the phone calls I need to make on everything in my life. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially stage four is then once I've collected and processed and organized it, now I'd be able to, now I need to be able to see it, review it, and reflect on it appropriately. And then stage five is, okay, now let me allocate resources, let me go do. So out of all that, here's now what I choose to do and engage with. So the five stages are collect it, clarify it, organize it, review it, and then engage with it. 
and again, that's not rocket science. We all sort of do that do right. that all the time about a lot of things. Anyway, mm-hmm. I just made that more conscious because each one of those stages actually has its own best and worst practices. Mm-hmm. And if you try to do them out of order, or if you don't include them all in a holistic way, uh, it won't work. For instance, most people think I need to get organized, and that's what they try to do first. But what they haven't done is collect and process everything that has their attention. Hmm. So what they're doing is they're rearranging incomplete piles of unclear things. And that's why most organizational systems and tools have not worked, because people haven't been trained or haven't trained themselves how to populate those systems with the appropriate content. So those two phases of getting stuff out of your head, writing it down, and making the decision, what's the outcome, what's the project, what's the action step, what does this mean, is that references, is trash, those clarifying questions need to be answered. Then you can then absolutely, you do need to be organized at the things you don't finish right away, but that's where organization fits. Okay. And uh, we're talking with David Allen. He's just going through the the five stages of mastering workflow, and this is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. Bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're 
You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Uh, Dr. Kathy Greenberg is not with us today. She will be back next week. And we're talking with David Allen about getting things done. And and, uh, David just talked about the five stages of mastering workflow, collecting input, clarifying what it means, organizing it, look at uh, the inventory, review it, and then allocate resources to do it. When you work with executives, David, how many days um, do you say if someone's got a pile, like most of us do, of stuff in their office and, you know, it's totally unorganized, what do you tell them to do? How many days is it going to take to kind of walk through collecting and clarifying and organizing? We found generally, uh, really, it takes a couple of days uh, okay. of relatively uninterrupted time. That's not wasted time. We actually, people are actually doing an awful lot of good work in, that, in, the, in the process of it because what we do is, you know, we uh, help people gather the inventory of all the open loops and all the unprocessed stuff and then actually walk people through the decision-making process. What is it? What's the next step? What do we do? And then we work with people to help customize. How am I going to keep track of that? How do I, what kind of a list management system do I want to set up so I can keep track of that inventory and review it regularly? And it takes a couple of days. So, you know, some people less, some people more. Right. But you know, usually in that period of time, you get a chance to, to kind of redo it because it's, you know, even if you're just making a slight change in a system, you're, it, it's sort of, like you don't want to rearrange half your kitchen. You, know, right. you kind of you'll you'll have your feet on two icebergs. And that'll feel a little strange. <laughs> so we would really like to have that that period yeah. of time. And some people need a lot more. You know, if you've been where you've been doing for a long period of time, and things have had time to accumulate in all the weird little cracks and crannies of your right. life, it may take you a longer, a lot longer than two days to clean up your backlog. But at least you can understand the process okay. and get a good system set up so that you can then chip away at it. You know, once we. And I know you have a, uh, in, in the way you organize it, <clears throat> you know, it, it, I don't know if they're all D's, but I know it's defer or do. Maybe you just go through that once you kind of get set. Well, once you pick stuff up, you know, you, you, once you pile it all up, get it all out of your head, throw it in your in-basket, then you one at a time, you just pick it up and say, okay, look, what's the next action on this? How long will it take? And anything you can, any action you can actually finish in two minutes, you should do right then because it will take you longer to, to, to finish it or to track it than uh-huh. to finish it. So we get people to actually do the two-minute stuff. So just do it, and if you can't finish in two minutes, can it be delegated, second D? And if so, hand it off right then to whoever, whomever should be doing this action. And thirdly, then defer it. You know, no, it's mine. It takes longer than two minutes. I can't hand this off. I have to handle this. Then that's the third D. Okay. You, would, you would just park okay. it in your own system. So, so how did you come up with the two minutes? Because I, I think that really does move people into action. I've, since I've been looking at your book, I've been doing that, especially, yeah. around, especially around emails and stuff. So how did you come up with the two minutes? It's just the, the pure efficiency factor. It'd take you about two minutes to track it, look at it again, read it again, I decide see. what else you need to do. So it, it just would take, it's just shorter to do it right then than right. to try to park it somewhere and have to rethink it. That's great. I think that alone, the uh, two minutes and then the next step. I mean, if people just... Oh, yeah, if that's all they get out of this call, believe me, it'll change their life. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. It really does work. That's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you said you have a new book coming up, and you talked about the six horizons of, of focus, and maybe we can talk a little bit about what that looks like. Sure. Well, the new book is Making It All Work, and okay. it's, the subtitle is Winning at the Game of Work and the Business of Life. First of all, I think people need to lighten up about work and get more businesslike about the, the whole rest of their, you know, of their life. And 
sort of put it all together so that it's all one thing. And the two aspects of that are, first of all, getting control, and those five phases of managing your workflow will help give you a sense of control. But then once you get it under control, then it's like, now what? Now it's like, what do I focus on? And that's where I discovered it's not just one horizon. You know, yeah, what are you trying to do with your life? But mm-hmm. that, that takes at least six different levels, and each one of those is a very different conversation. You know, the six levels, the top one would certainly be your purpose or, and your principles. That's the key driver. Why am I on the planet? What's really important to me? But then that steps down to, a, you know, what I call 40,000 feet, which is the vision level. What, what does that look like out there in the world? Five years from now, what would wild success be? Mm-hmm. Once you get that clear, then you need to step it down another level and say, well, what do I need to accomplish over the next year or two to make that happen? That's okay. 30,000. Then you need to come down to 20,000 feet and say, what are all the aspects of my life that I need to maintain and ensure are there to make sure I can get there, how to make the engine work, like relationships and finances and, you know, the household and my health and, you know, things like that. And those mm-hmm. are, that's what I call 20,000 feet, areas yeah. of focus and responsibility. And then out of all that, you've got then projects down to 10,000 feet, and most people have between 30 and 100 projects, meaning things they need to finish that take longer than one step to finish them, that they can finish within a few months or, or weeks about all those things I just said. Well, yeah. And then out of all of that, you still have another horizon that says, okay, what are you going to do about any of that? And those, that's where you come down to the very specific physical action level, and most people truly have over 150 next steps right now on the projects that come out of their areas of focus, that are trying to get them toward their short-term objectives, which are wow. going to fulfill the vision, which are going to fulfill their purpose. Now, each one of those are very, very different conversations that need to be reviewed at different times and in different ways. If you try to put, if you try to force those into one horizon, you know, something's going to be missed. So I found it couldn't get any simpler than that. But those are the six horizons mm-hmm. that you just need to keep those managed in the appropriate ways, and that will then allow your intuition to line up in terms yeah. of your priorities. Well, I like how you use the, the uh, feet and elevation. It does give someone that perspective from the big picture and then zeroing back down almost kind of like these days we've sure. got with, with Google Map to kind of zero in. And exactly. As a matter of fact, if you need more if you need more perspective, that, that is, I, I, we need to get clearer about what I need, then you go up the scale. You right. need to lift up. You know, maybe we are at the project level, but I need to come up and say, you know, let's look at our areas of focus and responsibility. Oops, wait a minute, let's go up to where we want to be a year from now. So those are different conversations. You need to go up to get clarity, but if you need more to get be happening, you need to come down. Wait a right. minute, let's stop blue-skying this stuff, and let's get down to real projects and who's going to handle that. So it depends whether you need more control or more perspective as to you know where you then need to go right. in terms of your focus on what you're focusing on. Um, a couple things just before we we end. So how can people get a hold of you for some of your um, information and some of the things you got coming up? Well, our website's usually a good map of all that. So davidco.com, D-A-V-I-D-C-O dot C-O-M. Okay. Uh, new book is coming out in December. Okay. I'm making it all work. You can watch for that. We have. GTD Times is a uh, sort of a running, you could call it a blog, but it's really a compilation of a lot of the writing. There are over 50 blogs a day being you know, on, on GTD and people using it all over the world in lots of different ways. So we've got a, a kind of a coordinating uh, uh, website for that. So gttimes.com is a place people can go and easily kind of surf around and get a sense of a feel for this stuff. Uh, we have a summit coming up next year in March uh, in San Francisco where we are creating the first GTD Global Summit simply because of the phenomena, the worldwide phenomena this thing has, has generated. Mm-hmm. We wanted to, you know, sort of pull that together and 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 reflect that. Now that so lots that, of ways to play. And the GTD Summit, that's going to be you, and are you having other speakers come in? Oh, we're having a bunch of speakers and and uh, people from all over the world, people doing organization development work in large organizations, global companies, as well as 
artists that are implementing this stuff, as well as parents and teachers, and it, it, it's really you know a universal best practice. That's uh, that's the common denominator. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, it'll be fun. And that's in San Francisco, and uh... yeah, March thirteenth through fifteen, I believe. In okay. 09. Well, so just before we end here, what's the best way to handle interruptions? And we'll maybe end on this. Well, it's, it's actually to implement the system so okay. that when the interruption comes in, you don't perceive it as an interruption. It's just new input. Uh, but oftentimes people are bothered by interruptions because, A, first of all, they, they don't feel like they can track it if they don't do it right then. So they feel like they have to go do it right then oh. as opposed to just make a note and then come back to it later on. And secondly, oftentimes it's because you know, people feel, well, gee, um, you know, I'm not sure all the stuff I should be doing, uh, but I know I probably need to do that one, but it's probably not the right thing to do. So they wind up doing it, right. but it, it, they, this vague sense that wasn't the thing to do. The clearer you are about everything you've got on the plate okay. and see, be able to see that inventory cleanly as well as know that you've got a good system to be able to handle these things yes. as they're coming in but not have to do them right away, that helps a ton. Okay. Well, that, that leads to kind of one of the things I've heard. When you say yes to something, are you consciously aware of what you said no to? So it gets into your system there. Exactly. Well, David, thank you very much. It's great Always having a pleasure. Great having you on the show. This has been David Allen, uh, getting things done, and this has been Leadership Development News. And I'm Dr. Brian Adler, signing off for now. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.